Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, this is Hobbs Q here. I'm just doing a quick introduction before we jump into today's episode. So first and foremost, I want to make sure that we thank the Grinding Coffee Company, who we have been partnered with for quite a while. Uh, they just recently finished their successful Kickstarter campaign, which has led to them being able to expand even into markets such as Amazon and other places. Uh, we just really believe in the mission of the company. They are a black-owned, LGBT-ran coffee company that also supports gamers and they really have partnered with gamers to offer discounts and to be able to offer sponsorships and we're just very thankful that we're able to keep working with them i actually have a cup of their uh, cold brew right here so just wanted to get that out of the way and say thank you because this has been a tough week here in minnesota in particular minneapolis i mean around the u.s is normal but we had a another senseless shooting by police of a unarmed black man, um, and I think that it's been, it's been tough for me personally. Um, and I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that it's, it's tangentially related to today's topic. And I just wanted to make sure that we continue to highlight that because this has been a tough week, um, and this is also a tough topic that we're continuing with today. So today's episode is part two of our discussion with Killian Liu. I really do think that if you haven't listened to part one, it would be, I think that it, a lot of what we're going to be discussing today really builds off of that discussion. So last week we talked with Barbarians Red One or uh, Ryan, and we talked with Kiln Fiend Potter, Michelle, uh, both excellent guests, and Michelle is somebody that we've had on the show many times, and Ryan is somebody that we're hoping comes back. There's been a lot of really good responses to this, the first part of this episode, and we want to thank everybody for listening to it. When we left off there, we were kind of just finishing up with discussing the story of Killian Lou, of what we have had so far. And we do know that there is more story actually scheduled to come out on the 30th. And so we are interested to find out what that will bring. This is remembering that this our episode is really based off of what we had so far um, and also off of the experiences specifically of both Michelle and Ryan. And we always want to emphasize this is based off of their experiences and also us wanting to bring just attention to anti-Asian hate that we have seen in the U.S. and broader, but specifically talking to the U.S. Last time we mentioned the, uh, the um, documentary that I really do, we linked in the last episode and is linked again today about stopping Asian American hate. I highly recommend listening to it before listening to either part one or part two because it really informs a lot of what we discuss. So we're going to pick up where we left off last time, kind of with the Killian Lou story ending and then into just talking more about Asian, anti-Asian American sentiment. Um, so we really appreciate everybody that's been willing to come along for these tough topics, and we hope that we uh, are, are able to start the conversation uh, or at least continue it. So thank you for joining us. I know that one thing that people out there listening well I, I can't say that because i will say that our audience tends to be in my experience people that probably have this in their consciousness but i can see a point where people are going to say that, that that we're making too much of this right like this is not something that's uniquely asian it's not a problem that we're overthinking things and i want to talk about that because i don't think that that is what we're doing at all I, 
It's kind of weird because some a lot of the Twitter reaction. I and I I don't know about you, Michelle. Did you read any of the people who disagreed with you on, on this? Because I did read some of them. Uh, some of them were other Asian people, which can link back to the monolith thing. But where where they were saying like, "Oh, I'm Asian. I'm not offended by this," or "Ha ha ha, my my dad's exactly like that." But the thing is, they're not saying it's not a stereotype. They're acknowledging it's a stereotype. They're just saying they personally don't find it offensive. But they acknowledge that it's a stereotype and it, it perpetuates this idea and of how Asian American, the Asian Asian American culture is and such. Yeah, I, I think that um, that's a very good point. Um, the The fact is that we are not a monolith. Um, a lot of Asian people have voted liberal, and some of them a lot of them voted Republican, and we we cover the gamut as far as these things go. That being said, um, I'd like to also point out that this storyline was apparently created by an Asian American woman um, who works at Watsi and or Wizards of the Coast. And I it is it is difficult, right, to sort of there's there's two issues at at, at in question here in play here. The first is are we making a big deal, especially given that other Asian people are disagreeing with us? Um I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um Using another, using, okay, just because one other person who is of the same demographic as you disagrees with you does not cancel out your opinion. Minority voices are not counter spells. We are not plus two plus negative two. Like, like that's not how that works. With the Jace rule, once you play the Jace Bolaren, Asian Jace Bolaren cancels out Asian Jace the Mind Sculptor and then they both, that's how it works. (laughs) No, we have that's a callback thing. No, no, we had. We had to update it just for this very reason. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so while their perspective is valid, I don't know if it is fully informed. That is sort of my rebuttal, right? Because I think that anyone who has taken the time to further examine the damage that um, American society and American stereotypes towards Asian Americans has done towards the American population. Um, Asian American population, um, like there, there is a an objective amount of harm that has been done. Um, so that would be what I think. It's not that I'm not going to full out say like you wrong, but I will say like maybe consider these other facts before you um, come to a conclusion because there's a lot here that I think that you're missing. So there is that. Also, people are different and they have different experiences. Um, so I think that I, I would not say that disagreement with our opinions from other Asian Americans or Asian folks uh, nullifies what we have to say. The, the second thing I wanted to uh, address that's also in play here is something that I completely forgot. And now I'm like, wait, what was that point? Um, uh, but it it is... Uh, it is tricky, right? Like, oh, right. The 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 discussion of, of the idea of putting real world experiences into your work, right? So in a lot of ways, I think that it's very clear that whoever wrote this put some, and especially now that we know that it comes from an Asian American woman, right? Um, I think that personal experience has uh, advised the way that this character that Killian has turned out. Right. And it's our, I think it's, I I think we all want to make clear that it's, we're not saying that this perspective is wrong. What I think 
is once again at um, at play here is lack of information. And I think this is where Wizards of the Coast let this person down, right? Um, because I think that this person came at this story with the best of intentions and was not fully advised of the ramifications that this story might have, um, all things considered. I think this is something that we've talked about before on here with hoping directions that we're seeing and we fully recognizing and have talked about this. We know that there are changes that have been made at Wizards. We know that there we know that there are tangible things that haven't come to bear yet but are in the works. Mm-hmm. However, I think Michelle you mentioned online about this idea of this is something that seemed to be going in front of some sort of screening diversity readers or sensitivity readers, whatever you want to call that probably is something that that would have jumped out pretty quickly. And I think that that's where some of us get worried again. Yeah. And, and the thing is, again, like we're not Asian Americans, no, no demographic is a monolith. So it is entirely possible that a group of Asian American cultural consultants came in and were like, yeah, this is fine. Um, But then again, like, maybe we don't know the full circumstances of what happened but then again maybe like they felt like they could just gloss over this because the person in question who wrote this was asian american they were like oh well we don't need to vet it um we don't know what happened we don't know um, i mean yeah I, and, and i feel the like their intentions was good were good though i mean i don't th- obviously no one went into this and just went like oh you know we're just gonna you know play it do it by the book you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important. And I'm sorry if I'm, I'm cutting you off here, but it's it's even all of these things considered, it's still important to call out because we know that this is we know Wizards is trying. At least they're saying that they want to be better about these things, and so it's important to point it out when there's places where they could be better about these things. I've noticed as a whole that the not the company so much, but the community in general was being pat on the back for all the work and diversity they do, but they do not handle criticism well. Like, and that might be the pushback that we're seeing. Um. Oh, are you talking about the community or the or the company? Sorry. Well, the, well, the community's reaction because a lot of the the a lot of people who are like saying like, well, it was an Asian American woman. I do know there was that one person who was related to the Watts employee, but a lot of people who have been saying that back, at least at me, have been just the community, like people in the community. Yeah, it's again like we're not. We're, I it's like I'm trying to speak for. I don't think anyone's trying to speak for the entire community. I think we're all just trying to speak for our experience and from what we know to be true. Um, and and I think that if I mean I and I I would say that our arguments are not like they're not out of thin air. They're they're substantial, and I think that's one of the reasons why. For example, like I actually had. Um, someone from wizards reach out to me and we had a conversation last week about representation diversity and what the company is doing in order to try to make things better. And also about the complexity of uh, creating a system in which we can catch these things. Um, obviously with the corporate setting, that's always going to be difficult, but um, you know, the person I spoke to made it very clear to me that they are definitely going to, they're definitely trying their best. So it, it it's nice to know that, I think that our, our arguments are being given weight. And despite the pushback, like I, once again, I'm going to be like, I just don't think you have all the facts. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you just don't. Um, 
I don't know. And I know that there there are people within our community that do feel like they've been railing against some of these concerns for long enough now that it it, it becomes an issue of just the slow change becomes difficult or it does become, I, I would say, invalidating to the point of people starting to feel defeated or difficulty with with, with speaking up or saying anything at this point. I think that's because they feel they haven't been heard for so long. It's kind of like why you got to highlight the little victories. I think that's the only thing that can really keep you going. Like I did a little video about why Commander Collection Green was actually a really great job at representing different Asian code individuals. And it may have been accidental, but it's just like little things like that that make you, you know, give you them good brain chemicals and make you feel like th- change can happen. And it's, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really important to point that out. I mean, the, rep- the the black representation in recent sets has been phenomenal, especially in terms of like getting hair texture down right, getting um, portraying black folks in like uh, an empowering, intelligent way. Like I, I'm like 10 out of 10. That's fantastic. I, I'm really glad that a lot of work has been placed there because it's needed, it's deserved. Um, which is why it's so weird when this happens, you know? Um, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe this is due to my own arrogance, but like I, whenever I get pushback like that, like from other folks on the internet, like I just, I, I generally am of the opinion that like, for I'm going to get hate for simply existing, right? So I'm... I'm just going to continue telling my truth the way it is um, until someone, you know, I trust tells me that maybe this isn't the right way to go about it. But um, yeah, I mean, especially after I got kicked off of Twitter the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I take a lot of the community's words with a grain of salt, because if you allow too much of that criticism to get to you, I think you tend to lose your sense of voice, your own voice, your sense of self. And I think that, um, that I, at least it, the, the, the black player in me is like, yeah, I think that's more valuable than listening to incessant chatter. And that's my flex. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty solid flex. Right I'm just like, I, um, yeah, go ahead. I think to, to me, a big reason why I wanted to do this episode, uh, and why, you know, Alex and I, I think reached out almost right away. As soon as I s- saw the, the threads, I linked him and said, Hey, and we were both kind of, we'd already brought it up in our last episode about Strixhaven, is that this is an area that I do not, I, I think watching that documentary, and like I said, I once again, we're just plugging in it. They don't even, okay, we've been going for an hour now. It's been a while since I've thrown a plug in. Go watch it. Um, because I do think that there is an element of this concept of the model minority, which is something that I think that I knew about without having a name for. Um, you know, it's definitely the things that I had heard, you know, the idea that, you know, that why do we need affirmative action? Just, it's just benefiting Asian students who already are smarter and work harder and are going to just get in anyway. Um, you know, there definitely were those things. And I think we've talked a lot to me, this was the idea of like, let's have this, like, just let's discuss it, you know, whether or not that's what Killian was meant to be having the best intentions. It is a representation in media of kind of this honor, fidelity, model minority piece that, that, you know, that's even to the point of people talk about Asian privilege. Um, There's belief that the model minority led to the rise of the concept of being colorblind because see, there are minorities that don't. It also, 
that crab analogy, I think, was the one that to me that stuck out because there there is so much that has been discussed about using this to pit minority groups against each other. And um, th- this is something that the video covers much better than I can ever begin to discuss it. Yeah, definitely watch it. Um, if you don't have the opportunity to watch it, you, there is, and you or you want to go deeper, um, one of the books that came out um, recently that has received a lot of acclaim is So You Want to Talk About Race with Ijeoma Uluwu. Um, most definitely probably mispronouncing her name. I'm so sorry. She's an excellent writer. And she does talk about the issue of racism from a black um, perspective, which I think is extremely valuable. And there is an entire chapter about uh, the what is the model minority myth. And it really goes into it. It really helps take apart that myth and gives you all the numbers you need to know and honestly um, helps you better understand where um, where this like idea of like crabs like pulling putting each other down comes from, right? Um, I've literally had people ask me, like older folks ask me, so why do you think Asians have succeeded where black or black folks haven't? And I was just like, I don't even know how to. I can try to answer that question for you, but like, there's so oh many boy. layers to that question. Oh boy! And this is <laughs> this is a white guy asking me that question. So I'm oh like, wow! Oh, oh, of course it was. You didn't. That, I think that was implied. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it's implied, but also not because I'm, I I remember on Lost, so you know, when there, there was the the character of Michael who was you know like this like African American, and then there was the 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 Koreans, the the um, and I'm. It's uh, Daniel Day Kim, who I love, and he basically says to Michael, the the black guy on the show, says to his son, like, "You just don't understand what it's like where we're from. Koreans and blacks don't get along." And but like, there's a real history there that I don't fully know, so I don't think it would have been weird to maybe wonder who was asking you this question. I I, I mean, very blunt. Um, I've never, I have heard multiple white people ask that question to me. I have never heard one person of color ever ask me that because if you think, if you think about the way it's worded, why would a person have like, at least from my experiences with other black indigenous people of color, um, just they ask, how do you succeed as an individual or how are you and your, 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 sometimes they'll say your people, but usually not. How are you guys doing? They don't ask us like, how do you as a representative of the race think? That is like a uniquely white thing that I see. Yeah. Like okay. I, I, I never see a minority that's, say that's that. That's good to know because the video like, talked some of this. Yeah. Sorry. It ties into the othering of people of color. Yes. Yes. And I will say the video, I, I was also thinking the video didn't mention kind of race issues where they were pitting these communities against each other um, or they have been historically and actually that it's more of a recent coming together Mm-hmm. especially after kind of Ferguson, that there has been more of a coming together um, from some of these communities. There was like little pockets of it um, previously. Like if you look during the 60s and 70s, and this was the thing that went around more recently a little bit, there was a lot of uh, people in, I think it was maybe San Francisco, but there were pockets of Asian American communities with signs saying yellow peril supports black power. Yeah, And that mm-hmm. used to be like really, they really used to be like not a major part of the movement, but they were, they were there and they were, realizing like, hey, we're all in this together. Yeah, no, and that is something that the Asian American civil rights uh, organizations have been um, really trying very hard uh, to 
do, especially with regards to immigration, partnering with Latinx communities, um, and also partnering with um, um, Black communities, uh, particularly after the death of George Floyd last year and Breonna Taylor. Um, the facts are that white supremacy is what is keeping us down, and that's why it's it hurts so much to see something like this in a game that I love. Um, because it's almost like out of nowhere. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I feel safe. What the fuck? And you were uh, expecting yeah. something so positive. Yeah. Like, you know, they could've, he could have been like a no-name named character, you know, where they just don't give any lore. Like, well, that's annoying, but... Like, or okay. it could be like Killian like is using his oratory powers to like, I don't know, seek justice or like something cool. Like he, he's out there fighting for freedom with his oratory powers. Like One day he will attain the rank of honor mancer. Oh, Jesus so, Christ. So... <laughs> I just How much does that we have to level up. So, so that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I think we that we are so disappointed, so so upset yes. about this because we don't see enough Asian representation as it is, and what we do get is so based. It's so shallow, and in cases like this, based around deeply painful generational memories. Uh, for myself and for others and it's I'm not gonna lie it's been very emotionally difficult for me the past few weeks to have to um, speak out for August but also like relive a lot of my personal trauma so um, we've talked about this with the idea with the game supposed to be your escape and that's what people want it to be when they when a certain class of people say they want to keep politics out of their game because they want it to be an escape they don't seem to realize that that is such a privilege to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's not that I'm advocating for like no personal trauma or anything like that at all in this game. I just want it to be done well. I want it to be done and given the complexity that it deserves. Right. It should be an A story, not a B story. It should be an A story, not a B story behind five white people. <laughs> I, I'm sure we're all excited to hear what Rowan and the, the Rowan uh, and Will, uh, Red Meat Man and and uh, Liliana Gideon Lover is doing. But you know, I'm I actually and nothing against the writers. I really enjoyed that Rutha story very much, and I was like, man, it would be great if they took those five characters, which are clearly going to be the side stories, and just gave them each expanded stories because yeah. they knew unique characters with these different identities. And who knows, maybe they will release the Killian story and it'll blow our socks off and we'll both go, wow, we're eating crow. Kind of doubt it, but it just feels like, yeah, sorry, I'm going on this weird tangent about storytelling. I just feel like it, their stories lend better to A stories rather than trying to continue the overarching story of, hey, what's happening with Planeswalkers now? Oh, Luca has a fox friend? Fantastic. Great. <laughs> Once again, I think also people looking at just cards and stuff, not going to realize Luca's an asshole. Oh, yeah. Like, Such a big asshole. Like, like people today, again, like, well, I'd let, yeah, he looks nice. I'm like, once again, let's remember, like, Luca's not good. Like, we talked about this on Toxic Masculinity. He's a red meat man, dude. That's why he's finding Miss Frizzle. He's trying to explain to her that she should teach both theories. Sorry, sorry, find Kazmina, not Miss Frizzle. Totally different character. Kazmina is Miss Frizzle. That's canon. That's canon. Yeah, yeah it's, it's canon. It's canon. It's canon. It's canon. He's, he's, he's telling her she should teach both theories. Because just because yeah. the Quadrix mages believe in evolution, that's ridiculous. They should teach both theories that, you know, and that's kind of like what Luca is as a character. Luca's you know? an anti-vaxxer, most definitely. Oh, 100%. 100%. Luca's not wearing a mask. No, why would he? No. Why would he? No. Bonded with he, an animal he that has immunities. He's fine. 
<laughs> oh god oh god <sighs> but yeah i i think the way that i would love to see um this sort of thing happen in the future is to give us an example i, I call this the uhura effect um show us who we really are by also showing us who we can be right because uhura when she made her premiere uh on star trek like we know black women were intelligent amazing capable confident people like that there is historical evidence of this fact it's not i heard there was movies about it some stories like josephine baker was a complete badass you know like yeah like yeah there's there's a lot of really cool things but but it's so important to see that on screen like i mean i i just remember that that story of Whoopi Goldberg looking at the screen and saying like, mama, you know, like she's a black lady and she's not a cleaner. And that I think is just what we crave as people of color. And as for myself as an Asian American, like I want to see the aspects of us that are so overlooked and who we can be. It's like, show us who we can be by reflecting who we are. Right. Like, by showing Killian Liu, like for example, as um, a civil rights advocate, or maybe he is a student advocate, uh, like trying to get uh, better safety measures for like student duels on campus. I don't know. Like, it's... give him a drive. He can have that drive. He can have that that sense of he doesn't want to fail. That that failure is not acceptable. But, which is yeah. a cool idea because you know, like we could get we could do, we could have done a whole episode on cognitions around defeatist beliefs right like that is fine like he can have that yeah the reason he has it does not need to be what we were given exactly and i think that decision if we go in that direction is so much more empowering so much more interesting um and and that's something i would love to see in the future from watsi i would love to see more of the uhura less of i don't know the the Mammy stereotype or gone with the wind. Like that's kind of the equivalent that I would like to see here. And Hollywood's finally slowly catching up to that where, you know, you can have a character who's Asian where that's not the defining characteristic. Like I felt really sad. People were like, well, Ryan, what's your idea of good Asian representation? I'm like, have you guys ever seen the movie Hot Rod? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you remember the character it's like Henderson or Anderson. He's the guy who's just going around dancing. Like that's all he does. He just goes off his way to just dance at ridiculous times and throw papers around. He's a completely ridiculous character. He happens to be played by an Asian actor. But that role and that character isn't defined by him being Asian. And it could have been funny if he was any race. And that was a a role given to him, but it wasn't defined by the fact he was Asian. It's a ridiculous role. It's silly and, and insane. But the fact that he's Asian doesn't even factor into the fact that he was cast for that. Like at all. It's it's not his primary attribute. It's right. not even like it's not even really secondary or tertiary. It just happens to be the actor they cast for that was Asian. He could be any race, and and you never see that. You never see like this is an Asian side character, and oh, we're going to offhandedly mention the fact that he has to go to Ama's house. You know that kind of thing. The like, other, it, it did, yeah, yeah, like the other one I can think of uh, from the critically acclaimed uh, series Fast and Furious is Han. <laughs> yeah, um, who I stand. Um, for all time <laughs> he is an amazing uh example of asian representation because he is not 
yes, being Asian is part of who he is as a person. And that does come um, into like a very subtle ways. Like for example, the fact that he is a Korean man living in Tokyo, that's, that's very interesting, right? Because then we have to deal with Japanese Korean tensions as opposed to like Western Asian tensions. But um, like he is, he is respected. He is seen as attractive. He is funny. Um, and in not a way that disparages him, he just eats snacks all the time. And it's just like, he's just the best. And I, I, I just love um, his portrayal. It, it's he, he exists as a, as a person, as a well-rounded. Yeah. He has a backstory. He has like a haunting backstory. He has a uh, real motivation for being who he is. And he's, he's got a real personality. Like he's, he's kind of cocky. Like he's like, yeah, I'm going to beat you in like this quarter mile race. Like let, let's do it. Let's draw this nitrous man. Like, Oh, you don't know how to drift. All right. I'm going to teach you how to drift. Drift. What, what, what's the other recent one? Uh, Jason Mendoza from the good place. Jason oh, Mendoza yeah. is one of the best breakout Asian characters ever. <laughs> oh, he's so he's, good. He he got into the bad place by what was it? By stealing a vending oh, machine? No, what? he hit. No, no, no. He was he hid in a safe. <laughs> he, he had a snorkel because he thought he'd be able to breathe. Yeah, he had a snorkel. Yeah, him so, and his best friend, yeah. other excellent actor Eugene Cordero and Manny Gencito, great actors and. I, I just love how they the good place subverted that stereotype because when we were introduced to him, they were like, Oh, well, this is a Buddh- this is like a Buddhist monk, right? And right. he's like it's mm-hmm. like uh stereotypical, like Asian, you know, enlightenment, enlightened character. And it's like, nah, Jason is this sweet, lovable, dumb person. And he like one of the first things yeah, he like, says is like, Yeah, and everyone keeps telling me I'm Taiwanese, but I'm Filipino. Heaven's racist, yo. And it was just like the best <laughs> line ever. It was just like so yeah, having me on the rolling on the floor laughing. I, I love yeah, that- I just love how how like dopey is like i just love that his his room in the good place is like just a bunch of video games beanbags and then like a poster of ariana Grande. yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's madden he's basically playing madden down there um where he's able to you know play blake bortles in the jacksonville drag war i mean the fact that they made him like a floridian on top of it oh my god yeah it's just it's, everything is perfect about it. And, it and it is just like you said it's subverted and i think that that's what we want to see um he's straight as a, as a sex symbol too kind of like offhandedly they mention how attractive he is repeatedly and not in a fetishized kind of way like oh i'm into asian guys and like jason's hot it's like no jason's like they offhandedly refer to him as like attract an attractive guy an attractive dummy or kind of like that and that's nice because you don't see that with asian males mainly unless you're counting simu Wu now which is which is great you know good for him but you just don't see it as often as in media anymore yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a wonderful change and I I really hope that we continue this. Like on the flip side, you know, I also hope that we eventually get more representation of Asian women as not being either Agreed. um objects of fetishization whether they be like the the submissive geisha type or the dragon lady type, right? Yeah. So right. or so, a scientist or a scientist. Literally just a scientist who's there to move the plot forward. <laughs> When I was thinking, as you were saying too, you know, I mean, even with what happened in, in Atlanta recently with the massage parlors is like, that is another stereotype from media on top of the, I mean, yes, the, the, it is very true that a lot of the massage parlors were being, or especially in that area, but in general were being run by Asian women. There's a very much a stereotype about what that means and that, that sexual element to it. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, 
written off as a guy having a bad day and that he was, you know, that it was sexual culture and it's really fetishization of this. And it's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely um, something that I think as a culture, or at least I speak for myself, like I'm very fed up with um, having, having faced a lot of those um, stereotypes myself as an Asian woman, as an Asian cis woman, um, you know, the, the surprise upon learning that I'm pretty funny or that I'm outspoken or whatever. I have short hair. Um, I don't know. It's, it's strange. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a strange place, but, but yeah, it's just, I, at the end of the day, I think every human, the one, one thing I could probably posit as a, a universal human desire is to be seen for who they are like who I am I like none of us are um we deserve like entire series of books about each of us not just a paragraph of um whatever shorthand people want to come up with right and I think that's that's all we're asking for I, I think that's reasonable um yeah, just just uh, be given the the same amount of human dignity that uh, other more privileged people are given. And even taking just even if we're only giving paragraphs, it can be done better. I mean, that was one of the things that we talked about when it came to Commander Legends that they fit a decent amount into that world building or world telling, just off of kind of blurbs about either characters that we knew from magic lore or new ones that we didn't know. The thing with Killian just seemed to be, to me, as as somebody that is trying to be more aware or is working to be more, more aware or just to have things on my radar, buzzwords that I associate with kind of Asian culture or what I have heard of jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the honor, it's the family, those things just jumped out at me as, as I felt as I was reading it, as if I could just be highlighting. Oh, it's a bingo things. card. Yeah, it's totally 100%. a bingo card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. whoever um, was given that write-up was like, here's here's the notes we want you to hit and the kind of image we want you to create for him. And at, yeah, that's that's got to change. And I'm, I am hopeful that Wizards will do that. Um, and I guess only time will tell if that comes to fruition so someone pointed out that like with the art whole art debacle which i'm not going to get into uh watsi issued almost an immediate apology like literally like i think a day or two later after it was discovered and like spread all around the internet someone else asked me and i don't know if they asked you michelle why we haven't seen an apology for this and maybe it's just not in their purview but i had the theory because that they're going to they're worried about having something similar happen with kamigawa coming out soon which because uh, there have been talks of a Kamigawa set coming out and that they're just waiting to do the apology till after that because it's easier to put out one big fire, I guess, for after that than trying to put out a small one I, than letting people down. I The thing is that um, I don't know why they're not giving an apology uh, at this point. I don't think the Kamigawa set is confirmed, so it's hard to say. Um, That's fair. Like, I, I honestly have no idea. I, I guess... Um, to some extent, um, I mean, I guess maybe to some extent, I, I know that some uh, there are people inside the building who are working on this issue and are trying to come to the root of it. I, I hope that we get an apology. 
But the fact that we are given, I, I think that honestly, the reason why we may not see an apology is because this was written by an Asian American writer and doing so would actually throw that person under the bus. And that's honestly, fair. if that's going to be the case, I do not want an apology if that is the tactic that they're going to be using. Um, Agreed. Yeah, because um, we it's it's not their fault. Yeah. Um, it's not their fault. So, I I mean we we'll we'll have to see what happens. But at the end of the day, like I know that we're being heard. I know that there are people working on it on the inside. Whether or not that comes to anything, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And change is very slow, so we may not see it for at least several sets. Mm-hmm. And and if we are going back to Kamigawa. Which, you know, this, so a lot of this is based off of rumors. It is based off of uh, something that used to be used a lot to find out what was going on with magic, which was uh, domain names or things that had been registered as trademarks or um, that ahead of time. So people would look at what Wizards of the Coast was uh, copywriting, basically, or trademarking and use that to kind of figure out where we were going. And it does seem that there's potential that we could be going towards Kamigawa. It is a plain that there has been interest to return to um and there's also you know ryan i know can speak for days on where we were with kamigawa and also the concerns with returning to it when at one point at least it had been almost labeled as well we could return there just take us back there give us ninjas and that literally was kind of oh. statements made you know and, I, I felt just as a side note yeah. i feel really bad about the entire encounter because my um i didn't really dig in deep with him i feel like it was a very problematic take i felt like the extent of it is we should have said this ain't it chief photoshopped him onto like a picture of vanilla ice saying go ninja go ninja go and call it a day but uh it felt like everyone else wanted to like really drag him on that which and i don't th- i don't think it's a matter of that specific person and i yeah. want to be very oh, yeah, clear yeah. about it Clearly. that, that there Kamigawa had problems last time. Oh yeah. And I don't think that it's weird to think that people wouldn't have made the connection to the cultural piece there that, that was there, that there really was just kind of a, okay, it was an Asian inspired set and we really enjoyed this mechanic and it can get reduced to that versus the fact that like, that is a plane that could be so rich in lore. I mean, it is to some extent, right? Oh, it really is. Yeah. So I, I think that I think this was Mr. Orange who, who said this, but um, I, I personally, <laughs> I, I guess I didn't feel because I definitely raked him across the coals a bit for this. Um, That's fair. Um, mostly because it is important to. I, I think one, um, he has a very large platform, and I think it's important that we take people who have very powerful voices within this community and to, to accountability for their um, accountable rather for their words, because um, in a lot of ways, they set the tone for what this community expects. And if we don't call them out on it, and if we don't tell them and, you know, if waking them across the coals is what's going to cause them to t- sit up and take notice, then I am willing to do that. Um, I think that's fair. I think that's more than fair. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess this is <laughs> this is where well, I. See, you, see, you, and then again, this is again. That's why they changed the legend rule. See, our our two takes don't cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, we have a whole episode on all the changes to the legend rule. 
how's that for a plug mid episode? <laughs> um, but I do think that if we do, if what is true about Kamigawa, this would be a perfect time, hopefully, for Ryan to come back, especially because I know you have a lot of interest with this plane. Um, you and I have talked about that. That there's this idea that we may be going to kind of a cyberpunk futuristic setting. And once again, that's something that I would love to be excited about and worry about at the same time. Yeah, way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think it, like from the uh, quote-unquote possible image that were, were, were being shopped around, I thought it looked really cool, but it's one of those things where it's like, it, what's the phrase? The devil's in the details. It's all going to be about how they handle it. As a concept, it's fine. Uh, but some of the written mock-ups just did not sound promising. And I'm, I'm just, it's... And this might be one of the real reasons that Mario keeps saying we're not going back to Kamigawa. He keeps citing the sales or the parasitic mechanics, and that's honestly true. I think it might just be wanting to avoid the headache that comes with it. Because obviously they're making a concerted effort towards pushing towards a um, a Japanese and a Chinese audience. I mean, we, we see that in the way they release products. We see that in the way they are making these promotions, the mystical archives, the planeswalkers and such. The uh, yeah. Lunar New Year promos, which were gorgeous, just gorgeous. But I think they're in this weird spot where they want to do a Kamigawa set because they definitely want to appeal. They want even us Asian American players to feel represented, but they're worried that they're going to handle it with ham fists. By the way, I'm just going to say the fact that they did not release an all Minotaur um, year of the ox set for your lair. Like, I'm just going to say it. Y'all, y'all missed out. Where be my Angrath? Like, oh god! Oh god! Oh. So good in that style of R two in that Sethron style. Oh, ah, my gosh. it'd be so good. And then we could have had that, that six that O six ox that runs that plow. Yeah, it would have been perfect. <laughs> I would have been for, I would have been down with that. Yes. Um, I mean, it's been a really very productive quick, year. As we're leaving, kind of off of this uh, topic, I do, you know, looking at that mystical archive. I will say that incorporating the fact that those Japanese products are going to be available in English boosters uh, only in, in foil. So if you want non-foil, you do have to buy Japanese booster packs is actually fantastic. Um, I know they did this with the War of the Spark. They're trying to bring in more of that art style and some of the art artists and big name artists from kind of Japanese culture, at least. And I think that that's fantastic. I also think that it's a bummer that as we were talking about with the spark that it ended up being in the midst of also what we're talking about. One thing I also want to point out as well is that there is a major difference between um, if we're going to say, if we're going to talk about specifically Japan, um, the mm -hmm. Japanese perspective of what is um, okay representation and the Japanese American diasporic uh, mm, yeah. uh, perspective on what's going to be acceptable. And I think that is going to be a very tricky thing for wizards to balance, right? Because what is acceptable in one country is not acceptable in another country, uh, as we have seen through a lot of biphobic shit. But like... <laughs> Does that still exist in magic canon? I don't even know. It is is technically magic canon. Is it decidedly magic canon? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't anymore. That's why I took being a sabbatical for my fourth host podcast. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I think that's also going to be a real thorn um, in their side, just trying to figure out what is, what can we do that will not 
make this a terrible situation for both sides, I suppose. I think us discussing this shows that just the intersectionality piece and how difficult this is, too. I mean, I, I, I do want to acknowledge that there is, we we want to see better, we are demanding better at this point. I think that we have said that we are very okay not, I, I think I said, and you know, Alex can correct me if I'm saying something that's not in line with the cast, but when we had this initial discussion um, and the other day, and I was talking about this with Michelle and retweeting some of her stuff, it, it, you know, you mentioned, Michelle, this concept of like burning bridges, um, people being worried, creators being worried. And I said that, you know, like I'm not. And, and I think that is because even if I'm going to misstep or we're going to misstep as a cast, and this is where, like I said, Alex can completely tell me when I'm wrong. Um I don't necessarily care about burning those bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not like trying to just set the world on fire scorchers policy here. Uh, I also don't want us to not be having guests like you on to discuss these things point blank and try not to beat around the bush when we discuss it. Yeah. I mean, and, and a, a big component of our cast from the very beginning was about the community. And to be honest, it's been even more about that lately because well, we didn't want to talk about the story. That's why Joe left. There was issues with what was happening with the story, and we were quite frank about that in our episodes around that time, that we didn't really like what was happening, so we weren't going to talk about the story until something changed or there was some reason for us to do so. But we continued to record because we wanted to talk about the community. We wanted to be part of the magic community to contribute to it and and to bring people from the community and, and raise their voices and this is absolutely what we are going to continue to do. Well, thank you very much for having me on um, and, and for bringing Ryan on too. Like, oh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, you guys are saying that as if, like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, thanks for coming. You guys put out a lot of positive messages and a lot of important, you raise a lot of important voices and a lot of important topics that we don't see discussed as often in, in magic content creation. And I think, I think it's really important that you guys have and continue to do that um this is going to devolve into like midwesterners all apologizing <laughs> oh gosh and michelle being like i've only really lived on the west coast no, that's not true i've lived in texas <laughs> oh, oh crap see this is where i came in and you guys were already talking about texas oh yeah i don't know how i forgot this yeah that's cool i'm ashamed it's not like I'm i ashamed. run around with a texas accent um but i do know how to be I- awesome if you did <laughs> Well, I know about that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, just despite the the amount of pushback that folks like me and Ryan have had the past couple weeks, and Ryan, like, I check me on this if if you don't agree, but I I know that there's a lot of important work that has to be done. And in a lot of ways, I think the freedom of not being tied directly to wizards through some kind of sponsorship or whatever gives us the freedom to state this. And I actually had this exact conversation with another content creator who I will not name, uh, but has been on this cast about the weird kind of freedom you have by not being that entrenched in the content world. Like. Uh- yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. It's like it's. I think we we. I would argue that we are pretty entrenched. It's just that we aren't. We don't. We haven't signed a contract. Like we haven't. We are not yes. bound by an NDA. Like there is no legal anything like holding us back. And I think that that freedom is going to be integral in maintaining 
a it, it's one of the reasons why like I would I don't even know if I would even take a wizard's contract at this point because I I think the work that um, those of us who are outside do is is important and mm-hmm. as far as um, you know what we do I think it's key to keeping this um, this community as not toxic as possible yes a hundred percent yeah there, well i think we hit all the this points. Will be, <laughs> i i think we did hit all the points that i had notes down for yeah i even um, i even said the word honor mancer so that's our that's our bingo card of the day <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we could talk you know, about how first year student is on fracture and that makes me feel some kind of way that a nameless asian character gets you know i feel so i don't uh, like someone's like is it her i'm like the eyes yeah it's I, hard I, to say does. but i think it is it, it, it just it, she's there to make the Voldemort as equivalent character look extra bad, you know, because uh, you have this super cute card. And... Uh, yep. Look, I just, <laughs> and that's I'm it. Just gonna yeah. take Mavinda. I'm just taking Mavinda, student advocate, and just walking away. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, sounds good. This is mine. Like I like this. <laughs> Goodbye. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. Obscu can be found at Obscu. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmugs, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>